You're listening to 50% Facts, the show where we try to answer specific questions on an individual topic, and then at the end, we bring in an expert to give you the real answers. I'm Jim McDonald. And I'm Mike Farr. Welcome to our show. Yeah, sadly, there's no there's no answers. If there's answers for back pain and knee pain and, and whatever, then no one will be in pain. Like, there's no just quick fix. I was completely shocked. I went to a podiatrist last week because I've been having this, having this thing with my foot, just the um, kind of the base of my pinky toe on my left foot, the part that's like in the foot, the yeah. the, the uh, metatarsal, yeah, tarsal, yeah, metatarsal, metatarsal, right in that that spot. Yeah, um, I don't remember doing anything specific to it, but I it has been hurting since we went hiking in the Monterey area, end of August. Yeah. And uh, it's just not getting any better. And so I went to my regular doctor and I was like, you know, for something else. I was like, hey, I got this problem. And he didn't want to get near it because apparently if you don't, if you're not a foot doctor, you don't want to deal with feet at all. Uh, So they sent me to a podiatrist and I actually got in really fast. It was really weird. And, you know, she looked at it and they did an x-ray really quick, which was like going to the dentist. It was, it was that fast. Yeah, It's like you do it in one room and then it's in the other room by the time you get there. And she looked at it and she said, well, I don't see anything wrong structurally. Uh, and I've got like loose ankles, loose knees, and I roll my ankles all the time. Just just walking. I yeah. would do it. And she said, you probably just rolled it at some point. And, and because it happens all the time, you didn't pay attention to it. But you actually like hurt the joint. And, the, and so now the joint capsule is inflamed. And uh, she said, it takes months to resolve that. Yeah. I'm like, what? Like I didn't know that. Like why yeah. would it? Why would it, I mean? It's your toe. I know. You should have a good blood supply, right? I mean, well, that's the worst part. Is like you can't even be like, yeah, I broke my foot. Like right. no, no, like I just kind of hurt my foot, but it hurts really bad. It's gonna hurt for a year. Like that. That's me. I've never had like a full on injury where I've had to be in a cast. But yeah. I've hurt some shit. Like my, even my back now. Everyone's like, well, what's wrong? Did you break it? Like no, nah, I didn't break my back, but like my shit really hurts. Like I can't squat. Like I, I don't know what's wrong with it. No, my my back's not broken. I, I don't need surgery. But if, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I do on a disc or something. But it fucking hurts. That's all I know. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, playing basketball. So uh, at least new courts they'll have the backboard and then they'll have a pad underneath. Um, just to protect the glass and to protect right. the hands and stuff. So right. someone goes up for a layup and I'm up there and I slap this, uh, I block this shot and my thumb gets caught in the pad in the thing and it, it goes back and, and slams into my wrist. Ow. And same thing, like nothing broke, <laughs> nothing, didn't even tear nothing. Mm-hmm. And my thumb was so big and even now, I think I told you off air, it still like hurts. Like my thumb mm-hmm. just hurts and this is 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, oh fuck, I don't even have a good story, I don't have a cast, I can't tell you what's wrong with my thumb, but it fucking really hurts bad. <clears throat> yeah, like I told you the other day, I, I just trashed my ankle rollerblading yeah. when I was your age, and yeah. it still hurts. Yeah, it's the worst. I don't know, yeah, ligaments and things, sometimes they just stretch and I want to get back, and then, and then the older you get, obviously they're less likely to get back into place where they're supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, a little bit of scar tissue, which is, that's one of the things we want to talk about scar at some tissue? point. Scar tissue? Yeah. Uh, in that, um, um, oh my God, scar tissue that I wish you saw. What's Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers, Anthony. Yeah. Anthony was at the fight I was at. I was at a... Uh, Cody Nola's uh, last fight against TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. And I, I think uh, Anthony, the lead singer, I don't know his last name. Kiedis. Yeah. He's super good friends with uh, TJ, I think. 
oh, for some reason. He comes out to Californication. And I think Anthony <laughs> might just... Right. Yeah, I think Anthony's just a big uh, UFC fan because he's had other ones too, but he was there. There's a bunch of celebrities because it was in LA. Uh-huh. There's celebrities everywhere. I forgot that dude's name. He was right in front of me. He was like, he, I think, I, I think, I don't want to call him out. I think he bought three seats, didn't bring anyone, so he would have space uh, to the sides of them. Because we were really close, and there's two, and this is like the biggest fight ever. Like Cody's, yeah. I was say Demetrius Johnson was on the card, and he sat by himself in two empty seats on either side of him. I like that move. That's a baller move. <clears throat> yeah, I wish more people would do that. I uh, went to that game the other night, uh, and I was with my nephew, who is a big boy, he he's a big boy. Yeah. And then uh the woman on the other side, like other side of my seat, was taking up a lot of space yeah. as well. And and I felt as though that if she was on a plane, let's say It'd be she, should, she should buy another did seat. Did they make that a real rule? I know that was like a thing. I don't know if they really did, but life's weird, you know, because you you look great, you lost a bunch of weight, but you're still bigger than the average dude. Like you're not, you know, I don't know what the average is supposed to be, but in my head, when people think like a normal human, they think 5'8", 160 for a dude. Yeah, I think that my optimal weight, according to the calculations, is like 165, 170, something like that. I need to get closer to that, to be honest with you, but. that's so hard. I I think I was 170 a freshman in high school, and I wasn't like a chubby kid, I just had like. No, I was skinny until. I was skinny forever. One fifty. So I was small. skinny fat forever. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's really what it comes down I to. I do wonder uh, because arenas, uh, even cars to some extent, unless you get like a big old luxury, you mm. know, European car. Um, uh, definitely public transit. Definitely airplanes. They, their seats aren't designed for the modern day American. No. Even in by modern, I even mean like nineteen nineties. Yeah, my focus is Recaro seats, and it's really scraped since I bought it. It's really scraped on the driver's side, door side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wear jeans a lot, and, sure. the, and the rivets, you know, or or just the uh, just the corners of the pockets, whatever, tear up the the leather as my ass passes by. Yeah. Because I have a big ass. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why why airplanes and things or seats aren't made that way. You know, my my bigger BMW is comfy, but it's made for you know luxury. So it's mm-hmm. like the seats are just fucking big what old clouds. Have? A seven series. Okay. You know, so like anybody can fucking fit in there. Like Luau, our, our buddy in the NBA. Like yeah. He 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 sits in the back of a seven series, and he's six eight, uh, two twenty. You know, geez. like yeah, it's comfy. It's comfy. It's made to be big and comfy. Right. But any other car. Pretty much, besides like a truck or SUV, I feel like I isn't made. And I'm not even that big. You know, I'm 200 pounds, 205, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, mm-hmm. But I even feel squished or like not normal mm-hmm. in those cars, let alone like our boy Dan, who's 6'3", three, three, mm-hmm. Like cars, airplanes, I feel cramped as shit in an airplane. And again, too. I'm slightly above average, let alone like a big dude. Like I'm not a big, obviously it's all perspective, but I'm not huge. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm so uncomfortable. Ubers, taxis. Like a New York style taxi, like so uncomfortable. Even even my short legs get smashed up on that thing. Yeah, the seats are a little small in the back. Yeah, and, and be, with Ubers, you could be in any kind of yeah, car. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes yeah. It, but but I, but be, with that, you're in a variety of cars. I've noticed how many I'm still uncomfortable in. Yeah, but, I will not complain about getting in an Uber Black, however. Yeah, and they're the best. They're the yeah, best. Yeah, nice little <laughs> SUV or something. <laughs> even even like in LA, I feel like some Ubers like like choose it as a career. Where like yeah. some other cities, it's like a fallback. Like, oh, I'm gonna yeah. Uber for a while. Yeah. They're the, like they go and buy a brand new Prius or buy a brand new Civic mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and newer cars are pretty nice. A new Civic and things like that, pretty comfy. And some people actually lease those cars. Yeah, to, that'd be smart to to do it. I think that the maybe the Blacks are 
the uh, Uber blacks are like that. Yeah, yeah Because yeah. they're all the same. Yeah, I think she, I think you might be right, and I don't know how or where, but they might even uh, lease it or rent it. I think that's how taxis work. You rent it for the day, kind of as a taxi driver, in a way. That's a good question. We may have to have a taxi driver on a here. taxi. Bro, I'm I'm down to experiment. We'll talk. You guys want to hear us talk about taxis or or what else? <sighs> yeah, we'll um, at some point we'll provide a way for people to uh, Twi- uh, Twitter for now is good. Yeah, I'm selling Mike two Ks. I'm the Jim McD. Yeah, tweet us tweet us your questions on anything. I mean, obviously, we'll be in the fitness world, but if you want to know how taxis work, because it is interesting. Uh, uh, we have a good buddy, Chris, who cuts our hair, yeah. uh, who opened his own shop here, and like the similarities and the differences in like personal training business setup, like stereotypically, yeah, and yeah. like a, a barber shop took up, uh, setup. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to do business, and so if those out there that may be younger or, or later in life that are trying to try a new career, uh, the best way to set up your personal training business, mm-hmm. whether you should rent space or give the place a percentage of your cut or how to mm-hmm. make the most money. It's kind of similar to a, a hairdresser where you can either just rent the chair, you do whatever you want, yeah. charge your price, or you become part of like the shop and they're taking whatever, 20, 30%, 50% of what you bring in, but they supply you with stuff uh, matters. And I think taxi is probably similar, whether you rent a car. I mean, I'm no businessman i'm no taxi man but yeah and i think that the um the rules around independent contractors changed here in california which yeah. actually that's reason why chris is out on yeah. on his own with uh with uh his buddy mason yeah there's a bunch of things changing here in california uh i know uh 4 a.m alcohol oh is... they tried that but it 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 died oh i didn't know it died I yeah heard it was still moving and just not signed yet no uh Governor didn't sign it. That's what I heard. However, we're going to get a new governor, and he may sign it. So I heard that was making real moves. Um, I was just looking at the renderings and possibilities that are happening in downtown Sacramento, and it blew my mind. The soccer stadium, yeah, um, that's like already sounds like it's happening. Uh, there's a new river walk. There's a new museum on the river. Yeah, uh, there's a whole new uh, uh, retail restaurant business. Uh, a complex going up that will be in between the science museum and the soccer mm-hmm. stadium, a brand new hospital downtown. Mm-hmm. It'll literally, literally within 10 years, we might double our skyline down here. That'd be good. I think it'd be amazing. Um, that's something, this is really off of, off of our bailiwick, but it's something that I'm interested in is uh, um, urban planning and the kind of things that you can, I the kind one. of services that you can get in a downtown area if yeah. you're, Population density. Is I got. I got our got our expert. I, I believe. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure my best friend's uh, lady friend. She's at Harvard right now, getting her master's in that. Ooh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Can't yeah. really beat Harvard. Yeah, I'm. I I got very interested a couple of years ago when um, the downtown renovation started, yeah. and the, the new arena and all that stuff I'm about placemaking, about like creating spaces where people are comfortable. Yeah. And um and they think they're cool and they want to be there and of course when they're there they want to spend money yeah yeah, yeah. you know that spot down there is cool man I, I just went to a movie last night I saw the Freddie Mercury movie and you're uh, you're walking through Doco which is our our like area by our basketball arena downtown yeah it's a uh, 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 minor league America Live. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but there's a big old grass thing out there now, fake yeah. grass, and people are playing cornhole in the middle of the day on a right. on a on a Monday, right? Or not middle of the day. It was like four o'clock. I was like, that's sick. You know, people are walking around. There's restaurants. There's a little bit of shopping. There's some bars. Like, I'm telling you, growing up here in Sacramento, and Jim knows too. He's been here a long time. Like, you just wouldn't come downtown unless you worked for the state or the capital. You're not coming downtown. Yeah, like, there's no there's no reason to come down here. But now they're they're really living this bitch up. There, there's a bunch of bars. I went out the other night. I don't really go out, but we went out the other night and. uh 
like we went to probably four bars, uh, just just biking around, dicking around. Yeah. And two out of the three had like an outdoor feature. Yeah. And that was my favorite thing about Austin, Texas, is like probably eighty percent of the bars in Austin, Texas have something happening outdoor, whether it's a, a rooftop patio mm-hmm. or even the walls kind of like moved, and now you're you're basically outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Sacramento has the weather for it, so like even in the winter, you know, you can literally do that and just have a hoodie on and be fine here. Oh yeah, yeah. Have you been to Sackyard? It's no. two blocks from here. No, no, no. It's uh, used to be a, um, like a machine shop or whatever. They got the big roll-up doors. They have a big open yard. They have oh, that's dope. You know, they have it. It's covered in the in the summer, and it's you know just open in the winter. It's like a brewery. Uh, it's kind um, it's a tap room. Oh, so dope. it's multiple yeah. multiple beers. That's dope. Um, there's so much of it here in Sacramento. Yeah, that's right where now. I went to in the new ice blocks. Something with a D De- device. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I was like, that's cool. We're playing a little cornhole in the back with a beer. Like, sure. sure. Yeah, I saw your uh, saw your Instagram story yeah. on that. That was the first time I've been there. The place was cool. Yeah, yeah. And then the new Burgers and Brew on Jay. Yeah, I haven't been there yet. The rooftop. Is, rooftop. Oh, it's sick. Yeah. It's sick. And it's just a good view. It's good weather here. Last night, the weather was amazing. I was riding around on my bike. You know, it's probably 60 degrees. Just feels feels great. Yeah, absolutely. All Visit right. Visit Sacramento, you bums. Yeah, really. Come, come, come see us. What do we got? Um. Okay, what we got here? Next question for... The one and only Jacob Ross, a trainer Jacob to the Ross. pros. We already did an intro. You guys know who he is. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're following along at home, um, the question is this: Can you teach speed? I'm a big fan. Uh, one of my favorite movies. I was going over favorite movies in my head. Lion King's up there. Uh, Men in Black and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that era. Maybe it's the nostalgia of when you watch things like Men in mm-hmm. Black, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Bad Boys. Like those were rated R, and I was probably like 13. Like Bad, probably, Bo- Bad Boys Three coming. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I loved all those, right? Yeah. That kind of style. Uh, remember the Titans is mm-hmm. one of my favorite. And I feel like this era uh, of of football, basketball, or whatever. Like the saying was brought about: you can't teach height. Mm-hmm. And you can't teach speed. My dad used to say that too in terms of coaching basketball people. Mm-hmm. So if you can't teach height, that makes clear sense. A kid's going to be as tall as a tit's kid's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what like recruiters would tell me all the time. You know, If if they have a point guard coming in who's 6'3 and I'm 5'8, of course they're going to give that kid a scholarship or right. a place on the team. Uh, and same reason why you know a 6'9 kid who absolutely sucks might get a scholarship or a chance to play college basketball uh, just because there's not a lot of 6'9 dudes running around. Speed, on the other hand, I think has the same saying, um, but I think it's a little bit more, uh, you know, manipulated. I think that genetically we have some stuff in us, um, you know, the, the amount of uh, fibers uh, and the distribution of type 1 and type 2 muscle fibers, uh, which would, you know, ultimately people just blanket statements saying your genetics, right? Mm-hmm. I'm fast because of my genetics or not, um, but it's basically uh, the type of muscle fibers you have, uh, and that's a big difference uh, differentiates men and women right men happen to have type 2 more type 2 muscle fibers than type 1 type 2 are the fast twitch which are kind of the explosive muscle fibers and they're also the ones that grow more and that's why guys tend to have more muscle mass or look more muscular than majority of women and obviously these are blanket statements because it's a it's a it's a numbers game sure there's some women in the top five percent that are more jacked than the guys that are in the bottom ten percent or whatever but generally speaking guys have more muscle because it's the type two that grow more and are more explosive. So if you have a bigger distribution, you are going to be faster, which is genetic, but there's this thing called strength training, which allows regardless of how your ratio is um, to build more muscle and to train these muscles to be stronger, which typically means that you can contract them better and faster uh, with more force. 
power and if you can or with more force and if you can apply that strength and contraction of your muscles to the floor then you become more powerful then you can propel yourself a little bit more and then you can be a little bit faster but i think that 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 range everyone talks about the 40 here in america because that's what you do in football right um the test and so if we use that which is a decent decent idea of how fast you are um or decent test i think there's other shuttle runs they do in football which they don't talk enough about i don't think a shuttle runs really hard it's basically running a suicide you're touching lines back and forth mm-hmm. change of direction right? right first step uh isn't always speed but quickness maybe uh, which is a whole nother conversation i guess we're, we're just throwing shit out there but there's quickness <laughs> quickness to me and maybe there are real definitions the quickness to me is kind of like your first step or how fast you can change direction mm-hmm. and then speed is maybe yeah like a sprint speed and then there's long distance speed obviously as well but Coming from a basketball background and strength and conditioning background, you can be really quick and not necessarily so fast. And you can also be pretty fast and not so quick, but beside the point. Um, I think you can train them, but I don't think you take a slow guy and make him real fast. You can take a fast person, medium fast person and make him a little faster? Yeah, and I think you can take a fast guy and make him real fast or a slow guy and make him a hair faster. <laughs> I, think that's, I, think that's, I think that's where think I that's- sit. On the that's topic. that's the whole thing right there. Yeah, that makes that does make some sense. Um, I wonder if there is any variable to when in your life you have this training, like I, with I kids so. or. I think so because uh, I I I, I uh, because my background. I guess is with younger athletes. You know, I, I coached a lot of seventh and eighth grade basketball. I coached a lot of high school basketball mm-hmm. varsity, and then I didn't coach at the high school level or excuse me, college level. But I did strength and conditioning with collegiate athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I look around the gym at how people, even this regular gym now, and how people walk or how they run on the treadmill. And some people just don't know how to run correctly. And so those are little things that can make you faster. Uh, also, technique mm-hmm. uh, beyond the strength and conditioning. So I do think that. There probably is a time, an optimal time for strength and conditioning to start to get a little stronger. And I'd imagine it'd be in your teens when you're developing, right? If you could development, develop exponentially faster than somebody mm-hmm. else, you're probably going to do better. And then two, the coordination factor. Uh, speed has a little bit less coordination in my eyes than the quickness. The quickness is more of a coordination thing and how to apply that power. And then the speed is a little bit more genetic, hair technique. And that's just shit that's in the top of my head. Uh, I don't think you could prove it nor disprove it. But coordination, um, you know, line drills take some coordination of, of your steps and how you're going to explode off the ground. And it's also how quickly you apply that force or how mm-hmm. fast you apply that force rather than running is a little bit of technique, but it's that genetics. And there is some real technique about stride length and, and different running drills to get you there. Um, and that's a big football thing, doing doing different sprint drills as well as squats and deadlifts and then literally testing your start, which is, I guess, depending on how you test it, it's almost a test of reaction time too, right? Right. How fast you react to the ready, set, go, or the gun going off or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. I never actually did any of that either because I didn't play football. I just watched it all and watched different coaches do it. Shout out to Joe DeFranco, who hopefully we'll have on here one time, but that's somebody I watched a lot oh, uh, yeah. when, uh, growing up. Uh, I graduated high school in 2007. I got really into strength and conditioning probably around 2008. Uh, even 2007, I was lifting and stuff, but I wasn't into it as a coaching aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joe DeFranco was one of the first guys, uh, the only guy I watched for a very long time on YouTube and on the internet talk about um, – speed strength vertical jump things of that nature and explaining them for young athletes college athletes and pro athletes and and how to kind of work out in the gym uh to make those better um prehab rehab as well as as actual performance awesome well i think i'm out of um things that i know at this point relative to um 
Speed. Well, it's going to be good because uh, Jacob, uh, I forgot her name. I'm so sorry. We've talked to I feel the worst, but I believe she got bronze at the uh, Winter Olympics. If not, she was in the top four. Yeah, he'll, he'll, he'll tell us. Yeah, so it was his athlete. Uh, yeah. But she was a track, track and field sprinter yes. uh, turned bobsledder. Yes. Um, so Jacob's got tons of experience with sprinters as well as running backs and things like that that, that are more in the spring world. So we'll get a bunch of information right now. Right now. All right. Well, the question that we have in front of you now is: Can you teach speed? That that's what popped in my head because, like, uh, old school dads, my dad, old school sports, like you can't teach height, you can't teach speed. Football coaches just yelling at you. Connor's over here complaining why you can't get in the games. Like, because you can't teach speed, kid. Get back on the bench. <laughs> His pants are up to his nipples. <laughs> He's got a whistle. His whistle's further down on his chest, and his pants are up to his nipples. Oh, you're talking about the coach. I thought you were talking about Connor. For Connor sure. as well. Connor, Connor did that outfit to try to suck up to the coach, and it didn't work. It didn't, it didn't work, work out. Oh man. Um, I, I, again, if there's there's kind of there's kind of two components of this, right? Elite speed, like Olympic level sprinting. They already have to have the genetics for yeah. sure, and then you can push that a little bit further in training, like one percent, five percent. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, my brother-in-law actually um, ran um, the hundred meters in the Beijing Olympics. Oh, wow. he was an all-American in I Michigan. Yeah, and he still runs professionally. Um, but he's been fast since he was a kid. I mean, I don't, I didn't know him, but my wife's like, you know, he's always been the fastest mm-hmm. kid. He's always ran up the side of buildings and done somersaults. Yeah, it's yeah. just like just. <laughs> Nobody taught him that. Yeah, a little freak. freak. And then, of course, he trained very hard and became, you know, one of the best sprinters in the world. And so so that type of speed, I don't think you can teach. I think you have to have it in you, and then you can modify it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for most people, even really good athletes, I do think you can teach speed. Now, how you teach it, we can get into, but you can absolutely make someone faster um, through the right program and training. How would you do that then? So, the logical next question. So there's, there's um, you, you know, the old chicken and the egg is where research kind of gets into here. So a lot of coaches teach stride mechanics, knee placement, shin angle, um, et cetera. So the question that I pose back to you guys, because I think it's fun, is um, does your knee height and your stride length and your shin angle, does all that happen and then make you a faster runner? Or is how you're pushing off the ground determine where the, those things are. Right. Yeah, I, I would go with the latter probably if I had to decide. Like, same idea. Is like, why is someone so freaking fast and then they just happen to have really strong legs? Like, often, it's not because they're great mm-hmm. at squatting. It's just like Michael Jordan probably had really strong legs and knew how to apply that force, and that's why he was really quick, and that's why he could jump through the roof, right? And then his shin angle probably lied and ended up in the right spot, whether it's practiced or not because of of he's fast (laughs) what about the underlying like skeletal structure though oh yeah longer shin longer shin longer femur yeah yeah so so i i can tell you what research has said so um back in the in the 90s um a big study came out and basically for for a long time people thought you could work on stride mechanics Mm -hmm. and this study figured out that um ground force how much force you're putting in the ground determined your stride length and your speed mm. well not the other way around so there's a lot of coaches even still and it really irks me to see it they they sit there and drill people over and over and over with you know knees and this and that and, and there is a skill to running sure it's it's okay to work on some of those things but when that's the bulk of your training you're really working on the wrong thing you have to increase mass specific force 
most of the sprinting, again, there's there's another study on this, is overcoming gravity. Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the majority of sprinting. You have to overcome gravity. And in order to do that, you have to produce and put a lot of force into the ground. How much force you put into the ground completely determines your stride length, your knee height, and all of that thing. So these studies show that the people who put more force into the ground had longer stride lengths. And they looked at even the swing time, so how far, you know, how long does it take for your leg to leave, cycle through, and come back Mm -hmm. down? The people who were slower um, had a very similar swing time um, within each other. And the people who were faster um, and and had a longer stride length, they put more force into the turf, and um, their swing time followed that, not the other way around. So so they they found some people, um, so, so once they figured that out, people started working on producing force. But again, mass-specific force is the key. You know, I'm 250 pounds. So it, just by nature of me running, I'm going to put more force in the turf than Mike or sure. you. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that it's specific force. So the best case scenario would be to take a lighter person and then uh, produce, get them to produce more force because that's going to equal the optimal um, you know, amount of force to put in the ground to propel you forward. Yeah, and when you say long stride length or what it actually looks like to your eye would then probably be dependent on the, the length or height of a person, right? Like e- even my stride length might be long. I might be putting a lot of force in there, but I'm not going to look like Usain Bolt when I'm sprinting <sighs> because I'm 5'8 and stubby and he's 6'6 six, six and lanky. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the thought too is um, stride length does matter, but can you teach somebody a longer stride length? Yeah. Because if you're working on stride length, let's say as you're sprinting, you're you're not sprinting as fast as you can. As soon as you sprint as fast as you can and you're producing that amount of force into the ground, your stride length will change to match the force. So so people work on stride length. And again, I understand there's a skill component. And if you run really wonky, it's good to do these things, but it's not going to make you faster. And, yeah, and yeah. the research is really clear about yeah, that. Yeah, maybe like some teenagers who just have coordination issues rather than the, the, the yeah. guy who's already at Combine. Like, this kid's a top football player. He probably knows how to run. And, and the best example is, I think a lot of people remember uh, Michael Johnson, right? One mm-hmm. of the fastest sprinters of all time. Gold mm-hmm. sneakers, love it. Yeah, his running form wasn't great. He was kind of choppy. He was actually fairly upright. Yeah. Not, not what you would quote unquote teach. But he actually put a lot more force into the ground than most people. And he had a longer stride length, you know, et cetera, because of that. Um, and then, too, the more force you put into the ground, the less contact time you have with the ground, which means you actually have less time to apply force. So some people are like, okay, well, if that's true. As you get stronger, shouldn't you exponentially run faster? Well, no, because, the, again, the more force you put in, the less time your foot's touching the ground, which means the less time you have to apply force. So there becomes this yeah, yeah. this kind of crux on the, on the graph mm-hmm. where – you're putting so much force in, your foot's barely touching the ground, and then you can't put any more force in because it's not physically on the ground. Yeah, long not, it's not like oh. a sled push. You're not. It's not like a slow push or exactly. a bench press yes. or even a squat where you're on the ground forever, right? And you can apply that force over ten seconds. Yep. You're doing millimeter of. Yep. Same thing in baseball. You talk about like throwing pitches. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Why aren't people throwing 120 yet? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's only so much time you have from between the wind up and when you release the ball. And that time isn't going to change. Right, right. So at some point, you have to release it. Like you said, on a squat or, or a bench, 
you never release the bar. Yeah, yeah. So in theory, you, the human capacity in terms of the ligaments and the muscles is the, the indicate is the the final factor. But for for something like sprinting, that's not the case. I don't want to go off a deep end here, but I watched a TED talk. <laughs> I watched a TED talk that's probably five years old by now, and they look at running. Uh, they look at a lot of things, golf, I believe, and they basically talk about equipment being the major factor in records being broken uh, from like the fifties compared to now. Yeah, uh, and they compare like the cleats. Uh, the weather conditions, the arenas, rather yep. than being no having no walls, the mm. type of turf or clay you're running on, mm-hmm. opposed to actual dirt, things of that nature, and they think, uh, and these are people way smarter than me doing actual you know analysis, uh, that runners of the 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, despite a few the freaks like maybe Usain and Michael Phelps or whatever, despite those things, um, athletes haven't actually progressed all that much at the top top level that the sprinting i think maybe it was the mile they looked at uh, maybe a couple other maybe the 40 something like that that the numbers are way closer than we think uh than the records show mm. because of equipment and same with the golf like the, the longest drive like mm-hmm. because of the ball because mm-hmm. of the grass is less because of the, the club shaft like right yeah if you're falling out of a plane it's kind of like a terminal velocity you can only go so fast yep. based on the shape of your body right whatever so to to back up to what you were saying before if they're not in contact with the ground very much, so they're not producing very much force against the ground, mo- maintaining their momentum becomes a problem. Well, well, the faster you are, the more force you put into the ground, which by nature decreases your contact time. Uh-huh. Because yeah, if I'm not it fast. if I'm not putting a lot of force in the ground, that's like walking. Right. Right. It doesn't take a lot of force for me to walk, but no. my foot's on the ground for a long time, so it, it becomes this inverse issue. Where I produce so much force that my foot's barely on the ground, which means I can't put any more force into the ground. Right. Yeah. So, like I said, it's not, not mo- maintaining your not you, you can't accelerate anymore exactly. because you've accelerated as much as you possibly can because exactly. of the physics of your feet against the ground. Yeah, and gravity. Yeah. So, gravity. so then you just get tired. Yeah. Right. So that's one reason why you've seen. <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm already tired. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so I mean, that's one reason why you see um, the records in the marathon. Um, completely getting faster and faster and faster and faster because as training has gotten better, mm. people can hold their stride length longer and they can apply force longer, and they're they're over an entire twenty six you know point two mile course, maybe even a fraction of an inch in your stride length adds up to be quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you can do pretty simple math and figure that out. So as training has gotten better and athletes have gotten stronger over the years, like I mean, it wasn't that long ago that endurance athletes didn't even uh, lift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or period. sprint. They, they would only do long distance run, yeah. And I trained a all American ten K runner in college and the first year he ever lifted was with me. We only did like tempo body weight stuff because he was really nervous about gaining mm-hmm. weight. And he never ran slower the entire year. And all he changed was lifting with me twice a week, all body weight stuff. Mm. It's not even like we went crazy yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, because yeah. That, some resistance that little bit of strength lets you get a little bit longer stride length and lets you hold it a little bit longer. But over a long-term race, that matters quite a bit. I would, I'm going off deep end again. I did a video. I'm not very smart, not that educated. But I'm insanely logical, so I can come up with some theories. I have a theory um, – and it's semi-backed by science, right? So women, men, uh, slightly different uh, muscle type fiber makeup. Obviously, like you said, with some resistance training, you mm. can change those. You can get a little bit more type 2. You're going to be a little bit more jacked. and You're going to be a little bit more explosive with those. But when you're born or even baseline or the top end, the ceiling, 
blanket statement, women have a little bit less type 2, men have a little bit more, especially uh, in the upper body. That's why, right, like guys can just bench more. They have more jack, like the more shoulders than the average girl. But girls' lower bodies tend to be a little bit closer in that range. But women have uh, just as much or more type 1, which is a little more endurance muscles, right, long-term stuff. And I don't. I, I looked at the numbers when I did this video. I can't remember them now. But the sprint difference in men to women is a bigger gap than perhaps the marathon distance uh, to men and women mm. because of those type fibers, right? Because that's a whole nother training effect that like, like you like you just mentioned, like how do you train for three hours of running compared to how do you train for the fastest 30 seconds or five seconds of running are very different. Yeah, so, so I guess back, back to speed and kind of what you're saying, um, for you to produce more mass-specific force, you have to increase some mass, mm. muscle mass particularly. Right. Right, fat mass doesn't help you. It doesn't do anything. It's just like putting a weight vest on. So, in terms of like female sprinting versus male sprinting, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I would just assume because I know this to be true: men carry more muscle mass, and they're also like like Jim was saying, they have longer bones, mm. so they're already more equipped to run faster just on the mechanics and the physics of the issue. Um, and as we're talking about, you know, elite sprinting, that's why Usain Bolt came on the world and, and did what he did because you finally got this freak combination of height, you know, bone structure mm. and ability to apply mass specific force. All of those things came together. Yeah. You know, if you took some of the other sprinters and made them maybe six inches taller, they might, you know, if they grew up that way, they would have probably ran some similar times. Yeah, because what's like a Michael Johnson, 5'10", 5'11"? Like most sprinters. I, yeah, I'm not like sure, that. but ben, somewhere ben around Ben Johnson, there. all those guys are somewhere between 5'8 yeah. and maybe six foot. And then Usain's what, 6'6", six, six, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. And then talking about training for for um, for speed, so for a long time, and it still happens a lot, unfortunately, for for sprints, they'll say, "Oh, we need to long, run longer." That's somehow going to increase your quote unquote endurance so that you can hold your top end speed. Well, the fact is, if your top end speed is slow, it doesn't matter how long you hold it; it's still going to be slow. Yeah, running longer doesn't have anything to do with your top end speed. Your top end speed, as we've been saying, has to do with your 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 mass specific force. What kind of force can you put into the ground? Because that's going to produce optimal stride length. It's going to produce optimal mechanics. And mechanics are different for every person. Look at how Usain Bolt runs compared to Michael Johnson, compared yeah. to anybody. No. They're all slightly different. And if, we're really, if you really want to dive in deep in like biomechanics theory, basically um, the thought right now is that we, for the most part, we perform movement that's goal-directed. So if I tell Mike, run as fast as you can, as long as his mind is thinking, run as fast as I can, he can't consciously think about the millions of little movements that are happening as he's sprinting. Yeah. Where are my elbows? Where are my hands? Mm -hmm. Where are my knees? Where are my hips? What muscles are firing? What's relaxing? What's You can't think about that. You just he put just, in force. Yeah. You just run fast. Yeah. But somehow your body does it pretty well. Yeah. Right? So f to work on some of those little things, if again, if it's a big factor that's really holding you back, like if you're basically running lateral like a skater, like an ice skater, mm -hmm. yeah, we need to fix that. But for the most part, your body really does well by taking into account all the factors that you have, degrees of freedom, and it produces an optimal movement based on that. So like the turf, your, your grip, your, your, your friction, right, that you're putting into mm -hmm. it, the force that you have, your bone length, your mobility, blah, blah, blah. It takes all of that into account and produces the optimal mechanics in that moment for what you're asking it to do. And that changes person to person because the degrees of freedom change. What's uh, some of maybe the exercises, the basic ones? If someone's at home, we're not talking elite athletes, but maybe we're talking high school kid, college kid, or even just a 30-year-old adult that wants to get a little bit faster again. What are, what are a, a handful of exercises maybe they're throwing down? Yeah, I think it depends on what you're training for. 
um, you know, like NFL, they do a 40-yard um, dash. Nobody runs 40 yards in a linear line in the NFL. I think yeah. it's one of the dumbest tests that they could possibly <laughs> do. But they do measure your 5, your 10, and your 20-yard sprint time in that as well. Now, that's more relevant information because how fast can you move from 0 to 5 yards or 0 to 10, depending on your position matters. Or the uh, shuttle run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that matters quite a bit. So I say it depends on your sport. If your sport's like, you know, basketball, football, even baseball, you never really hit a top-end speed. You hit acceleration. Right. So if I'm training for acceleration, again, at the end of the day, we have to increase strength. So posterior chain um, is what propels you forward. Uh, if you know your biomechanics, you know that your quad has more to do with braking and a running motion than it does pushing you forward. And it makes sense. You know, your quad extends your knee. So if you have ever want to test this out, just leave your feet on the ground and try to extend your knee. You, you don't go anywhere. So <laughs> your hamstring and your glute, and your calves, your adductors, that's what puts force into the ground to move you forward. So things like box squats, um, you know, glute ham raises, reverse hypers, um, walking lunges, step-ups, anything that emphasizes posterior chain development is going to help. And then outside of that, this is actually interesting. We did a study on this at TCU on the women's soccer team. We did one group, um, Division One soccer team, right? So they're pretty elite athletes. Mm-hmm. So we had one group do um, resisted sprinting. So sprinting with a sled or uh, there's some devices that kind of create friction on a rope, wh- whatever you want to use. Then we had overspeed sprinting. So you basically get somebody in front of them with a band, and it pulls them mm-hmm. <laughs> fast yeah, really yeah, yeah. quick. And you would, we were trying to see which one makes you faster. What we found is the resisted sprinting increased acceleration. The overspeed increased top-end speed. Oh. So, again, yeah, it's, a combo it, what are what you training you for? Yeah. Yeah. If you don't need top-end speed, you should never do overspeed work. It yeah. doesn't make sense. Yeah. For most people, it's going to be acceleration training. So, like, banded sprinting, um, you know, sp- sprinting with a sled, sprinting with a parachute – um, are all great things to do. Uh, running up a hill, yeah. yeah That's the sprints. easiest resistance you can find. Yep. And then for overspeed, some people say, oh, you know, I don't have a buddy to pull a band with me. Um, if you run downhill at about, boy, I'm trying to remember exactly what the degree, I think it's seven degrees. If you run seven degrees or less downhill, it creates an overspeed stride pattern mm. that actually carries over. It's it's not so dissimilar that you're not braking. Yeah, because yeah. if you run downhill and it's really steep, you have to brake. Yeah, so eat shit. <laughs> yeah, you, like you're you're putting on the brakes to keep from falling over. It's not it doesn't carry over well, but I think it's around seven degrees or less. Um, so if you can ever find a nice sled hill, the the bottom of a sled hill is almost always a slow gradual coast. So you can run up the hill and get the resistance training, mm-hmm. walk down eighty percent of it, and then sprint the rest, and you get both in the same workout. Nice, amazing. Um, what about the age that kids actually start um, running? Not not just like playground running, but like like running toward sport. Uh, does that make a difference um, T- toward what they are ultimately able to achieve? I, I don't know that it. I think no movement at all matters. Hmm. But I think if you're playing outside, tag, maybe some like t-ball, maybe some peewee soccer, like whether you pick one of those things or the other, hmm. I don't think that matters a ton. Because it, it kind of gets back to what we were talking about, about your body optimizing its pattern based on the factors. You know, nobody teaches a baby how to walk. I, right I have two kids. Nobody taught them how to walk. Okay, they As they got stronger their body automatically sensed that and mm-hmm. created a more optimal pattern based on what they wanted to do, their goal direction. Mm-hmm. My kid said, I want to walk from here to the refrigerator. And as they got stronger, their body said, I can now propel you in an optimal pattern to do that. 
So I think it's similar with kids. I think you need to work on the skill of running by just running. Mm-hmm. But how you running, how you run, I don't think matters. Now, if you're just sitting on your butt as a kid till you're like 12 and say, I'm going to go be a world-class sprinter, I think you're behind. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, mean yeah. it can't happen. I think you're happen, big behind. But you, yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> Very true. You probably have a bigger behind. Um, Everything you're saying is just bringing up weird shit in my head. <laughs> I want to run a study. I want to run a study where parents have a baby and they only crawl. Oh, the parents crawl too? Yeah, yeah. Oh, the, the kid would still walk. You think? Yeah, the kid would still walk. But I, what if the kid doesn't leave the house and only sees parents walking? It's, it's, not, crawling. it's not observational. It's instinctual. Is it? I think. I, I don't, don't know. know either because I know our spine, that's why we have back issues, right? If you go down to fucking yeah. evolution and shit, like we're, we're, our spine's the same as a bear. Like we're made to kind of like be on all fours and then kind of stand up. So, yeah. so actually, uh, good thing you have an expert here. I can I can <laughs> shed a little light. What you got? So there's some research that seems to indicate kids who walk earlier mm-hmm. are less athletic. Oh, really? Because crawling is a cross-crawl movement pattern. And cross-crawl like running. is yeah. running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything coordination-based. So the longer you crawl, the more coordinated, in theory, you could ultimately become. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's not a definitive study. It's just mm. purely a, hey, this is kind of interesting to keep think knocking, about. You keep knocking your kid over <laughs> no. when he's trying to learn how to walk. Have you seen hey, that? little bitch, you're crawling for a little while longer. Fucking dink him in the head, yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that video the, the, the soccer game is viral right this moment? No. Where... Uh, uh, dad is over on the sidelines, and his kid is in the in the goal, and the ball is coming toward the kid. He pushes the kid over so that the ball hits the kid. <laughs> he scores. <laughs> no saves. Oh, like he a, yeah, yeah, bounces yeah. out because he's that's the goalie. His kid's the goalie. Yeah. So yeah. But yeah <laughs> anyway, so no, that I mean that's the thought. You know, our our good friends uh, Bart and Gio. I've been telling them with their son, yeah, Taika. I'm like, hey, just push him over, dude. Ta- over. Ta- Taika's schmobbing <laughs> around. Oh really? Yeah, he's yeah. He's, he's a year old, so I guess it's time. But he's schmob. Yeah. My uh, just from my personal experience, I have one kid who waited until just after a year to start to walk, and he didn't walk. He ran. Yeah. He, That's got what my parents say about me. Yeah, he never really walked. He ran. He's not the most most athletic kid that you're ever going to meet. And then the other one started walking at eight months, and uh, he's got great gr- gross motor. He's terrible fine motor. Awful fine. Interesting. Motor. Yeah. yeah. No, I would, be, I would be curious. I don't know how you would do a real longitudinal multi-person yeah, study, yeah. but it is interesting to think about for sure. And that kind of gets into, um, you know, you talk about like coordination and 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 how does all that ultimately play out. There, there's some good general things that we know, but there's so many factors yeah. that it blows your mind to try to consider them all. And to do a real study to figure it out is is literally impossible. And to is do. it worth it? Like, are you going to take a kid that's just not meant to be and turn him into LeBron James if you do everything perfect? Probably yeah, not. Probably so, not. So, so anybody that's listening to this too and they're like, um, you know, why isn't there more studies? Or I'm looking this up and I can't find it. Uh, you always have to remember in academia, most of the research is funded for the ultimate good. So if someone is sick, it fixes an illness. Mm-hmm. A lot of the exercise physiology research, uh, I'd say probably 99% of it is funded around treating something like obesity or metabolic disease or mm-hmm. diabetes. Right. Because if we can solve those problems, we can help a lot of people. There is absolutely no greater concern in the world to help some kid who's not very fast to get faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, there might be some random professors who enjoy doing it, but again, for them to do a large enough scale study to start figuring out things like crawling age versus mm. why does that matter? It's not. It's just yeah. not going to happen. The other thing, too, is people never think about studies uh, unrelated but related. Uh, is just adherence and how to actually set up the study. Yeah. You know, yeah. people are always talking about nutrition studies. Like, oh, you're going to get... We can't even get America to eat, like, the vegetables. You think we're going to get... 
3,000 people to eat exactly what I wanted to do for six months and then me analyze what they're doing. Like, it's freaking impossible. Yeah. That's definitely a a topic for another uh, episode. We'll get some uh, scientist. Yes. Okay. So, what have we not covered here? Uh, Quickness. Got it all. We talked about a little bit about quickness versus speed, and and what's that? Rela- what's the relationship between quickness, actual speed, and first step? Yeah, it, it's a good question, and it's somewhat of a terminology question. Um, even with speed, you know, there's acceleration, mm-hmm. there's top end speed, there's your ability to hold your top end speed, mm-hmm. and whichever one of those things that you're good at ultimately determines. It. Let's just pure, pick track. Ultimately, depends what kind of runner you are. Right. Mm. You know, like Michael Johnson was a 200, 400 guy. So he had a very high top end speed, but he could hold it really well. Mm-hmm. Usain Bolt maybe could have been a 400 guy if he would have started training for it when he was younger, but um, he's a 100, 200 guy mm-hmm. because I'm assuming, I've never timed him in a 400, but I'm assuming he starts slowing down after right. 200. Mm-hmm. You know, really good four, 800 meter runners, they don't have a as good of a top end speed, they can hold it really well, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have to define the kind of speed. I, I think in general, first step is a really popular term in sports performance. You mm-hmm. know, I'm gonna increase first step. And that's basically your ability to really react in a lot of ways, which you can't change very much, your reaction yeah. speed according to the research. Um, but I would say- Cause that's a basic coordination thing. That's, it is, okay. yeah, it, it is. It, it, and it's, it's very reaction speed and when doesn't change very much from person to person, mm-hmm. but what does change is perception and mm. your ability to like perceive, perceive what's about to happen. Now, that is a skill, and that's what greater athletes have. So, like, they, they did this study on boxers, and they were like, okay, these guys, you know, if they're getting swung at, they, they duck. The actual reaction speed is very similar, but there's someone's ability to perceive what's coming is the skill that's different and what makes elite athletes mm. versus unelite athletes. So, in things like first step and quickness, you can work on it again, is what we've been saying, by okay, getting stronger in the right muscles posterior chain. Um, so you're giving your body the ability. You're giving it the tools it needs to do it. Mm-hmm. But there's always this skill of your ability to perceive what's coming, You know, feel for the game. All that stuff matters, and we don't have a great grasp on um, how to measure that yet. You know? Yeah, or increase it. Yeah, because they have all those like light drills. Like you've seen walls, and they're even like video games yeah. at a uh, what's that? David Buster's. <laughs> but it's like a reaction test. Where Dance, like, Dance Revolution. Yeah, like stuff like that. Like there's like 20 lights in a square pattern on the wall, and they're lighting them up in different patterns, and you got to slap the green ones and ignore the red ones. You know, and like they, it, I, th- I feel like a lot of that's more like a test of one uh, a skill that's unrelated to a sport, <laughs> two maybe a reaction time test, yeah. uh, but three it's not something that's going to build up your reaction. So a great example that everybody can for sure relate to is in your car. You're driving your car. Somebody swerves into your lane. They're kind of in your blind spot. Mm. And you swerve your car to miss them. Okay, I think everyone's happened at least once in their life. Mm. They've done a study where they measured how long it takes for your brain to see it, register it, send a uh, signal down to your muscles to do the motion, then send a a reaction back up to say, here's what I'm doing, and then your brain figure out that I don't need to keep doing this. Okay, there's a time on that that we can measure. Mm. You do that faster than that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so how does it happen then? The thought is that we actually organize um, some motion at a cellular level, like muscle fibers talk to muscle fibers and they don't even go to the brain. Right, right. So, So a lot of what you're talking about is some of it is is just inherently built into you, and it, it is a skill and a genetic component that we don't quite know how to train. So if you're training the light thing, are you just getting better at touching lights? 
Right. Does yeah. it really matter on a court? Yeah. I, I, I would argue that you're just getting better at touching lights, yeah, man. I agree. <laughs> you're getting better at Dance Dance Revolution. Yeah, I'd agree. I don't think that it necessarily translates as well as to playing the actual sport because anybody that's told you, if you've ever heard a pro athlete, they're like, there's nothing like playing. Yeah. Game speed is completely different. You'll hear all the time come back from injury. Oh, we got to wait and see what they look mm-hmm. like in game speed because it is different. Yeah. You can practice mm-hmm. all day long. Game speed is a completely different thing. Yeah. Where can people find you? Uh, jacob.w.ross on Instagram and Boom. that's all I got Boom. thanks again you can find Mike on social media silent Mike with two K's you can find me at the Jim McD everywhere and you can find the show 50% facts on Instagram and Twitter 50% spelled out and facts do us a favor tell a friend if you like this show tell a friend in fact did I say one better make it two tell two friends about the show and tell them how much you like it and ask them to give it a listen We'd appreciate that. Thanks. Talk to you next time.